0: good to come together to worship. It's also good to come together uh, to open up the Word. And uh, this is number six of a, a series that we're walking through or a book that we're walking through that's going to take an entire year. I was in corporate prayer this morning and uh, one of the persons that I was in corporate prayer with looked at me and says, boy, the way that you're going, it's going to take two years to get through this, this book. And uh, I said, yeah, it is. But Scripture is like chewing cud. What do you mean by chewing cud? Well, you know I have cows, and and when you chew cud, what the cows do is what they'll do is they will eat the grass, they will swallow it, but they won't take all the nutrients out, and there'll be more nutrients, so they literally barf it up, and then they start chewing it again. And then they swallow it again, and then they barf it up, and they chew it again, they swallow it, they barf it up, they chew it again, and in the process of chewing cud, barfing it, or swallowing it, barfing it up, and chewing it again, it goes into their system, it goes into their flesh and makes them a strong, fat animal for me to butcher um, in time. So think about that. I know it's kind of disgusting, but the Bible is just that way. It's just like chewing the cud. You read it, you don't read it once. You read it once, you swallow it, but there's so much nutrients, you pick it up again, you don't barf it up. You pick it up again, and then you chew on it again, and until you consistently get the nutrients that go literally into every part. Um, of your life. So yes, we're chewing the cud, and we are chewing the cud on the most powerful verse, I would say, powerful sentence, passage, um, in the entire Bible. And the reason why is because this has so much meat that the Bible literally rests on it. What I mean by Bible literally rests on it, the Old Testament is pushing towards it, Christ in the Gospels gives us a revelation of this amazing message. And then Paul is explaining this amazing message that we have in Christ right here in the pages. And in the process... Well, let's just look at it. In the process, he throws out the whole trinity at the top. I'm just breaking this up, and you can just look at the notes. It says, blessed with every spiritual blessing, and then you get blessings of the Father, you get blessings of the Son, you get blessings of the Holy Spirit. The entire trinity is showering down blessings on those who believe. I also want you to look at your notes because you're saying, well, I don't understand this passage. Well, look at all the color coding. I just kind of just color-coded a whole bunch of verbs, a whole bunch of powerful words that take place. And, and just to break this passage up, if, if we don't completely understand it, break the passage up, we can say what God did. The passage says He chose, He predestined, He lavished, He bestowed, He lavished, He made known, He purposed. What God did it with He did it with his will, his grace, his grace, his will, his purpose, his will, and his glory. What we get, we get every spiritual blessing. We get to be holy. We get to be blameless. Adoptions as sons. We get redemption. We get forgiveness. We get wisdom. We get insight. We get inheritance. We get to be sealed. And we get to be God's own possession. And then how do we get it? God wants us to make sure he knows how we get it. He says, in Christ, in him, in him, in him, in him, in him, and in him. Just summarize the whole thing. This is our cud that we get to chew on. Because when we chew on it, and we know it, and we understand it, it goes into our system. Because it is the most powerful sentence in the entire world. So we're going to seal up this sentence... This morning, and we're going to move on after this morning, and we're going to pull out the last passage. Believers have received the blessing of being sealed in him with the Holy Spirit. I want to read the passage as we go through it. In him, you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise who is given as a pledge of our inheritance, with a view to the redemption of God's own possession, to the praise of His glory. So we look in this passage, I just wanna break it up into three different sections. What does it mean to be sealed in Him with the Holy Spirit? How to, how to get sealed in Him with the Holy Spirit? We also wanna talk about what are the marks of someone who is sealed in Him with the Holy Spirit? Sealed in Him with the Holy Spirit, you can see is definitely the focus, and we want to know what that phrase means. Number one, being sealed is a mark of ownership. 24 and a half years ago, I got married. And in this ceremony, when I got married, this this ring was handed to me. And as this ring was handed to me, um, it was a statement in front of everybody, the witnesses. It was a statement from my wife to say, I am yours. I am yours. And then I gave her a ring and says, you are mine. There's a sealing that takes place in a sense that no other lady is mine the way that my wife is mine. It's called a marriage commitment. And the seal is a statement that this is the commitment that I have made to one lady. And her ring says, this is a commitment I made to one man in this marriage relationship. When Jesus starts talking about, or God, the Bible starts talking about um, us and him, you know the metaphor that it consistently uses is that we are the bride of Christ, meaning that one day we are going to stand in front of the bridegroom, and we will see God face to face. That's what it says, the relationship looks like. So when you start talking about sealed, we're talking about that relationship and the weight that it carries and someday the beautiful connection that it will carry for an absolute eternity. I am sealed with God. In fact, God is the sealing. If you look at the you look at the, the passage really close, what does it say? It says I am sealed in him. So in other words, I am married to Him. That's who I'm sealed with. I'm sealed in Him, and then what does it say? With the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is not the one that's sealing. The Holy Spirit is the sealing. The Holy Spirit is the ring. The Holy Spirit is the reminder that you are God's. The Holy Spirit is the reminder that He won't let you go. The Holy Spirit is the reminder that we will never depart from a relationship with God because he says, I am going to seal you. And the way I'm going to seal you is I will give you this Holy Spirit as the seal. Number two, how to get sealed with the Holy Spirit? Hear and believe the gospel. You might be thinking, goodness, this is talking about a lot of love. This is talking about relationship. This is talking about a relationship with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. That is correct. That's exactly what we're talking about. So you might say, am I sealed? Am I not sealed? Well, if you're thinking that I'm wondering if you're not sealed or not, let's just uh, get sealed this morning because this is the way you get sealed. You go into this gospel. Ephesians 1 says, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation having also believed. He just gave you the explanation how to be sealed. Because he says it, and then he says, you were sealed in him. (laughs) That's it. After listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him. That's how somebody gets sealed. By taking the gospel and making it your own. How do you take the gospel? Here's how you take the gospel. A through E says this, I'm a sinner. I'm somebody who's lost. I'm somebody that does not deserve heaven. I'm somebody that does not deserve God. I'm somebody that doesn't deserve anybody. Why? Because I'm a sinner, and I cannot stand for the holiness of God. I'm in desperate need of a Savior. Jesus died, Jesus rose, and he is my answer. And what does God do? God says, Praise be to my name, forever and ever and ever you are sealed under me, and I will never let you go again, because the Holy Spirit enters you and will always bring to the light of your mind that you are sealed. Now, when you say something like this, I'm a sinner, I'm in need of a Savior, Jesus died, Jesus rose, and he's my answer, it is the largest thing you could possibly ever say in this entire planet, And the reason why is because when you go to God and you lay your life down before God, everything about you changes. Your whole mind changes, your heart changes, your family changes, you have a new inheritance, you have a new home, you have new thoughts, you have new mission, you have a new purpose, you have a new perspective, a new worldview, a new way of living, a new way of understanding things, you have new ethics, you have a new way of loving people. Just that simple statement, say, I am... Once was not saved, I am under me and my strength and my authority. Instead of being that, I want to go to Jesus and say, God, I cannot be under my strength. I cannot be under my authority because I'm a sinner. I'm in need of a Savior. You died, you rose, you're my answer. Everything about you changes. In fact, you once believed that this world was created by nothing. But when you take this message, you now believe that the world was created my God. You once believed that you should be somebody who'd be draining love, that the world owes you love. But now, as soon as you take that message, you see that message and what it does. You now believe that love is really defined into me laying my life down for other people. You see the, the power in it? When we are in Him and then sealed with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit exists to remind us of that every day, every moment, every second of our life. Remind us of what? Remind us of this message. So I just want to move on to the the last area that we'll be focusing on. What are the marks of someone who is sealed, sealed in Him with the Holy Spirit? I mean, you say there's new life, new perspective, new worldview, new living, new way of living, new ethics, and you can go on and on and on about this that's taking place, but when you accept Jesus Christ, what is the marks of somebody who has been sealed um, in Him? Before we um, uh, get into the marks of what it means, we have to talk a little bit about the Holy Spirit, and the reason why is because with the Holy Spirit, um, you start talking about that subject, it can go so many directions so fast, so confusing, and so many things that are even anti-Bible of what the Bible does not teach. Now, God knew that it was going to be very confusing when he said the Holy Spirit is what's going to seal you. So in John, Jesus sits down with the apostles, and he literally, his disciples, he literally gives, this is the Holy Spirit's job. But before we get into what the Holy Spirit's job is, we need to understand one thing, because this is where we get it wrong when it comes to the Holy Spirit. We need to understand one thing, is that the Holy Spirit does not make you a powerful person. And see, people can get... Distracted in that, but the Holy Spirit does not make you a powerful person. The Holy Spirit makes Christ's life powerful in you. The Holy Spirit does not make you a powerful person. The Holy Spirit makes Christ's life powerful in you. See, one thing that we get the from that it, get it from that we, it makes us a powerful person is in Acts. It says, you know, um, in, in the book of Acts that my Spirit will come upon you. The power of my Spirit will come upon you. And we go, oh my goodness, these disciples are going to be extremely, extremely powerful. They weren't powerful, because if you think about my Holy Spirit will come upon you, and you will be what? My witnesses. The power is not in Peter when he preached the sermon. The power was in the message when he preached the sermon, when 3,000 people were saved. My power is going to come on Peter. What is that power? That is the message that's going to be on his tongue. It's not that Peter is powerful. Paul says the message is, is even simple, but the power comes in the message, does not come in the person. And when we think about the Holy Spirit, we often think of, well, if the Holy Spirit comes in me, I'm going to be this powerful person that's going to change the world. God is not going to make a powerful person change the world. His message is going to be the powerful statement that is going to change the world. God does not even want to conquer the world. God wants to conquer you, and He wants to conquer me, so the message can even be proclaimed when we start thinking about the Holy Spirit, it's like, God is going to make me this, this powerful person. But inside of us, it's a little bit, well, you know, I really want to be really connected with God because if I can be really connected with God, I can be seen by everybody and I could be this powerful speaker, this powerful preacher, this powerful person that carries weight to change the world, my area, my family, and everything about it. That's not the power. The power is in and only in the message. And God literally wants us to get out of the way so the message can be proclaimed. Two years ago, I was um, um, had a rough week. What I mean by rough week is there's just a lot of pressure that was on me. And as the pressure was on me, the whole pressure was on me in the entire week. And, and the, the, the highlight of my, or the peak of all my pressure is Sunday morning and, um, and actually even the weekend. Um, but uh, what took place was uh, the pressure was on me all week, the pressure came with me on Saturday, Was, was, was had a weighty, and then all of a sudden I came here and I, I preached a sermon, and then after I preached a sermon on Saturday night, I still had three more sermons to go the next morning, so I went home went to bed, but I was not sleeping one day, one hour, two hours, three hours, all of a sudden one o'clock in the morning, I said, forget this, I chugged some NyQuil, sorry, I just chugged NyQuil, and then I went to sleep, and then all of a sudden my alarm went off, it says get to prayer, so I went to prayer, and then all of a sudden after prayer I just came right up here, and I started Preaching, and as I was preaching to you, I think the room was even this full. My mind just blacked out. I mean, it just did. Maybe you guys would go, Oh, yeah, I remember that. That was two years ago. So I'm up here preaching this sermon, and my mind literally blacks out. And when my mind blacks out, I go and I hit the floor. I didn't fall. Some people caught me before I hit the floor. And as I hit the floor, um, laid down. I'm like, oh my goodness, where am I at after I came to? And I'm like, oh boy, there's a whole bunch of people that were right in front of me before I literally um, went out. And then the ambulance even came. And then I even walked out here in a stretcher. They even took me to the hospital. And they gave me a really technical term for what took place. And do you know what in English the technical term was? You passed out. <laughs> it was the technical term that, that, that they gave me now. Now, when you're a pastor, and your job is to be in front of a lot of people, and people look at you, you know, sometimes I'm like, you know, if I'm a, a pastor, if I could just do it in, you know, if I could just serve God in the quiet, that would be the best thing, so if you make a mistake, everything's still going to be okay, but, but when you're, you're a pastor and everybody's looking at you, I tell you, some things start taking place emotionally. I am mean, just in a sense, oh my goodness, I am weak. In fact, Pastor D even says, You speak in front of people, you should probably figure something out of what in the world is is, is going on. I am weak. I am feeble. I am lame. I am absolutely nothing, but I learned something from that. And that was God saying, that's exactly where I want you to be. And the reason why that's exactly where I want you to be is because there is going to be no power in my brain. There should be no power in my giftedness. There should be no power in my strength. There should be no power in me whatsoever because all power comes into the message. But when you pass out in front of everybody, I will tell you, start thinking the concept, why, God? In fact, if you start looking at it, is I'm not a smart man for the glory of God. I'm not a gifted man for the glory of God. I'm not a strong man for the glory of God. You're literally a puppet for the glory of God. And if God wants to take you out of the knees, praise be to his name. Because the power comes in the message. And when you're laying on the floor, God just is reminding you the simple concept that when you are weak, (laughs) I can still be strong. I can still be strong. But how many of us, so many of us want our names proclaimed even beyond God, God's name. And as a result, the world is not changed. See, my flesh, God wants to break me and he wants to break you because my flesh says pride and his word says humility. My flesh says hate and his word says forgiveness. My flesh says anger, his word says peacemaker. My flesh says frustration. His word says peace. The Holy Spirit does not make you a powerful person. The Holy Spirit makes Christ, life, powerful in you. And what does it do? It changes you from the inside out to the point where you'll step back and let God's name, God's word, God's message be proclaimed. Number three, a mark of somebody who is sealed by God is you live like you're loved. It's not that complicated. If I am sealed by God, you live like you're loved. In the upper room discourse, Jesus made it very specific. You are sealed by the Holy Spirit in Ephesians, but he makes this very specific. The Holy Spirit's job is to seal you, and you can see in John 4, this is how he seals you. Look at the passage. John 15 says, when the helper, which is the Holy Spirit comes, he will testify about me. And when we get to the Holy Spirit, we go, oh, he's got so many jobs, so many jobs, so many jobs. Jesus is being really clear. When he comes, because I'm going to go away, and it it's good that I go away, and the Holy Spirit's going to come, and when he comes, he's going to do something. He is going to testify about me. What does the word testify mean? Testify means to affirm that one has seen or heard or experienced something. I have seen, heard, and experienced love from my wife. I have for 25 years. I have seen, I have heard, and I have experienced love from God. How do I know that? The Holy Spirit is my seal. And the Holy Spirit will remind me every single day that you have been seen, heard, and you will experience this amazing love that God gives you when you open up the Bible and you look at the gospel that does not come alone. It comes with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is shouting at the top of his lungs, don't you see how much you're (laughs) loved? That's what what it's saying. Don't you see how much you're loved in this gospel? That is the ceiling. That is the reminder and it happens every time we open up the word. But it also should be happening every single moment of our life. Every single second of our life. Because we have this Holy Spirit that is just gonna be consistently shouting, I testify, I testify, I testify about Jesus because I want you to know that you're loved. And many times I don't feel like I'm loved, I don't act like I'm loved, and, and what do I need? I need a kick in the rear end from the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Can't you open up the word? Can't you see what I've been given you? Don't give me a pity party, Mike. Can't you see what you've received? Can't you see what you have from God? Can't you see it? When you look at just this passage alone, when it says that we are sealed in the Holy Spirit, because it's just, it's sealing up that everything that He said, So the Holy Spirit's the last piece. It's just, I'm sealing up everything. He says, what do you get from God? You are chosen, you are adopted, you're redeemed, and the Holy Spirit reminds you every single day that you're chosen, you're adopted, and you're redeemed. That's how the Holy Spirit works. The Holy Spirit is shouting with a microphone, you are adopted, you are adopted. And you can go back and listen to the sermon what it means, but it means that you are the son of God. You are the daughter of God, and he is your father. There's a story in Luke about a prodigal son. It's a parable, a false story, but it's given to, to do a point. And as you're looking at this, this parable in the prodigal son, the son walks up to the father and the father says, um, or the son says, I want my inheritance now before you die. Can you give me your inheritance so I can live a good life? And so the father gives him his an inheritance. And what does he do? He leaves and he squanders all the wealth. He spends all the wealth. And after he spends all the wealth, a famine hits the land, and he goes into the pig stalls, and is even tempted to eat the pig food in the process of having no more wealth because he took the inheritance and got rid of all of it. And as he's looking at that, you can just sense in the story that my father hates me. My father hates me, but I need him. So what does he do? He goes back home, and Think of the father as God because that's what the story is proclaiming. The father is God, so you're gonna get the reaction of God when the son comes up. The son goes back home, and he literally says the most stupid thing you can possibly ever say to a father. What does he say? He says the words, I am no longer worthy to be your son. Can I be your servant? And in Greek, it says... You stupid kid. (laughs) You don't understand the word adoption. You don't understand the concept of a father's love. It doesn't say that in Greek. I'm sorry, I just put that in there. But he has to be thinking about that. You don't understand the relationship that we have. Kill the fatted calf because you're my son and you will always be my son. And it's not because of what you do or don't do. It's because I am the father and I have chosen, adopted you, the Holy Spirit exists to shout that into our ears when we start doubting. The Holy Spirit exists as a seal to shout that in our ears when we start doubting. And we know that we all doubt. Praise God for giving us a Holy Spirit to work on us when we do. Number four, you're convicted of your sin Righteousness and judgment. Really fast, convicted means refute, correct, find, to call into account. It's usually a conscience that takes place in regards to conviction. But if you look at these words in this statement, in this phrase, they don't really go together. You're convicted by your sin, we can understand that, but then you're convicted by your righteousness? You're convicted by judgment? That doesn't make any sense. Well, Jesus, the only reason that's there is because Jesus said the words, and then he knew we wouldn't understand it, so he explains it to us. And I can't spend a lot of time on it, but it carries a lot of power. Let's read it and work through it. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go, the helper, which is the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. There's your seal. And when the seal comes, and he comes, he will do what? Convict the world concerning sin, and righteousness, and judgment. He puts all three of them there. And it's like, well, I don't understand those last two. I understand the first two. So Jesus says, well, I'll explain it to you. Concerning sin, because they did not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. So just really fast. Concerning sin, we understand that. When we sin, our conscience comes alive. That is the Holy Spirit that is literally speaking to us because he does not want sin to take everything you own. He does not want sin to rob us because remember, sin kills everything it touches and it annihilates, every, annihilates everything that it comes into contact with. And as long as we sin and pull sin into our home and pull sin into our life, destruction is going to take place. Story of a person that is sleeping in his bed, and he has a dog that is tied up outside, and a thief comes in the middle of the night, and when the thief comes in the middle of the night, the dog starts to bark, and the thief is sitting behind a bush, and he's looking at the shop, and he's looking at the barn, and he's looking at the dog, and he is so frustrated that the dog won't shut up. The other person that's frustrated that the dog won't shut up is the person that's in bed sleeping, He rolls over and he tosses over and he tosses over again. He tosses and he starts to yell, that stupid dog, and just starts angry at his dog. And then finally he had enough. He jumped out of his bed, he grabbed his gun, he went outside and he shot his dog and he went back inside and he hopped in bed and said, finally, I get to go to sleep. And the robber said, finally, I get to rob the barn. Finally, I get to rob the shop. And sure enough, what did he do? He walked in and took everything that could take place. That dog is the conscience to say sin is crouching at the door and its desire is for you and wants to take everything that you absolutely own, but we are sealed with the Holy Spirit and that dog will bark. And so many people shoot him. So many people try to get rid of their conscience because they want the sin that is there. They don't want to be bugged by it. The Holy Spirit is the dog that consistently barks. Don't let sin in because its desire is for you. But what does it mean? Convicted of righteousness. You're convicted of sin, but how are you convicted of righteousness? A Christian does not only confess his sin, a Christian confesses his righteousness. A Christian does not only confess his sin, a Christian confesses his righteousness because a Christian believes that there is no point of entry into the kingdom of God in his own righteousness. The only righteousness that he can get into heaven is Christ's righteousness. So a Christian believes that his righteousness is filthy rags, and he sees Jesus die on the cross and raise again on his behalf and says, this is my God, this is my king, this is my Lord, and there's nothing inside of me that can get to him. And there's nothing inside of me that can get to heaven. And therefore, a Christian literally falls down at the face of the cross and says, I'm absolutely nobody, and God, you are absolutely everything. And my righteousness isn't going to give me, get me anywhere, but I know that your righteousness will. So therefore, please forgive me, even for my righteous acts, because I know who you are, and I know what you have done. And then conviction of judgment. My judgment is from this world, and the ruler of this world is Satan. That's what's taking place. My judgment is from this world. I'm a human. It's my flesh. I I don't want to forgive. I don't want to love. That's what my flesh says. The ruler is Satan. He's trying to drive my flesh forward. I have bad judgment. The Holy Spirit does what? I'm going to convict you on your judgment because I have a spiritual judgment that is even more beautiful. So when you are sealed, you go, God, I want my judgment to be your judgment because if I'm just left alone, my judgment will all be messed up. Therefore, forgive me for my judgment that takes place because I want nothing but yours. When conviction takes place, delight in your seal. (laughs) Delight in your seal because the Holy Spirit is present. If conviction does not take place in your life, you should worry. (laughs) you should worry. If a conscience comes into your life and you want to get rid of it, you should be concerned because the Holy Spirit is consistently shouting, I am your seal and never forget that you are married and one day you're going to be standing up in front of God and I'm going to carry you to that point. That's the beauty of the seal from the Holy Spirit. Number five, you'll be guided into truth. The message of the gospel is simple enough for a four-year-old child to understand. The message of the gospel is simple enough for a six-year-old, an eight-year-old, a 10-year-old, a 12-year-old, an 18-year-old, a 30-year-old, a a 40-year-old. It is a simple message. Jesus loves you so much that he left heaven, he came to earth, lived a life you could not live, died the death you should have died, rose again so you can find salvation in him. Beautiful message that just comes right at the piece. Of it. So once you accept Christ, you go, okay, I've accepted Christ, but you know, hold on a second, how much do I need to know? You just need to know that. Because as soon as you know that, you are what? Sealed. <laughs> and as soon as you're sealed, what happens? The Holy Spirit comes into you because He is the seal. And when the Holy Spirit comes into you, well, what does He do? Well, Jesus explains it. And I'll ask the Father, And he will give you another counselor, which is the Holy Spirit. And he will be with you. Oh, I, no, I'm sorry. I'm on the wrong verse. When your spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. And he'll take what is mine and he'll declare it to you. Accept the message and you'll be all right. Because if you accept the message, you hit the top, you hit the icing on the cake. The whole Bible, the foundation of the whole Bible is under that one message. Accept the message. The Holy Spirit will be granted to you and he'll show you everything. He will guide you to every single truth that takes place after that. Number six, you act like you're in a relationship. I've said this before, but I've been married for 24 years. Twenty-four and a half years, and my life has never been the same since. Since I've got married, it changed every single thing about me. My time has changed. I have conversations. I have thoughts. I have com- um, about my wife when she is not with me. I have uh, commitments that are there. I sacrifice for her. Everything's changed in my life because we're now doing life literally together, and that is exactly what a relationship is, and what God's plan for us is not to accept the gospel and then be done with it so you can go to heaven when you die. God's plan for us is to accept the gospel, be sealed in the Holy Spirit, to consistently remind you that you are in a relationship with God, with Jesus. Don't love the world. Don't prostitute yourself to the world. Don't give yourself away to anybody else. John 14 says this, I will ask the Father, and he'll give you another counselor, which is the Holy Spirit, to be with you forever to talk with you, to walk with you, to care with you. John 14, but the, Holy, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, he will teach you all things and bring you into remembrance all that I have said to you. In closing, number seven, revival is not when lots of people find Christ. Revival is when lots of saved people realize what they have in Christ. And then the unsaved come knocking down the doors of the church to get it. We often think that if revival ever breaks breaks out, the revival will break out outside of these doors. God does not break the revival outside of his church. What God does is that he does not want to conquer the world. He wants to conquer us. That's what he wants to do. He wants to conquer us. And revival starts right here. The exact place the Holy Spirit dwells. And then he is wanting to say over and over and over, open your eyes to what you have. Open your eyes to what you have. And when we come to the realization of what we have in Christ, what is going to take place with our life? What is going to take place with our life? What will take place with our life will look so beautiful that anybody who walks into the door that does not know Jesus will say, whatever they have, I want because it is beautiful the holy spirit works here and when the holy spirit works here the world will start asking questions that's how revival takes place so just to even close up the passage the whole entire passage you are chosen do you believe it the holy spirit wants to convince you it wants to show you every single minute that you are chosen by god you are adopted. Do you believe it? The Holy Spirit's job is to show you that you are adopted and all the connections of what it looked like of adoption. That means you're, you're loved, you're, you're committed to, you're, you're his child. I mean, we could go on and on. You are redeemed. Do you believe it? The Holy Spirit's job is to say, you're redeemed, you're redeemed, you're redeemed, you're free, you're free, you're free, you're free. That's what it means to be sealed by the Holy Spirit. And this last four points is what it looks like when somebody is. God, we just thank you for the gospel message. You have done all the work, and you've given us all the tools. God, we have been gifted like crazy, gifted way beyond that we should be. We've been given way beyond what we should have ever have, God. You have given us so much mercy, so much grace, so much love. I just pray, God, that the Holy Spirit would be aggressive in this room, would be aggressive in an individual's life to show us what we have in you. Because God, when we see it and when we see it clearly, God, we can't help to rejoice. Thank you, God, for giving us this Holy Spirit to shout in our ears. In Christ's name, amen.